0: Hello, I'm Matthew Bishop, Senior Editor at The Economist Group, and you're listening to the Pride and Prejudice podcast, our conversation about the business case for LGBT inclusion. Our guest on this show is Franz Johansson, Chief Executive of The Medici Group and author of the best selling book, The Medici Effect, which talks about the benefits that diversity and inclusion can have in making companies more innovative and successful. When
1: we bring together these different perspectives, we have a far better chance of breaking new ground.
0: France is one of the leading proponents of the ways in which diversity can be a spur to innovation and superior performance in companies.
1: All new ideas are really combinations of existing ideas.
0: We'll be talking about topics such as why inclusion and diversity are so easy to espouse And so difficult to implement.
1: We are, there's something called the similar attraction effect. It's a well-studied phenomenon in psychology and it's global. Why so many
0: millennials go back into the closet when they start work.
1: In some industries, it's just much harder to to break through. And why
0: it's in the interest of shareholders for businesses to resist the current populist tide and press on with diversity and inclusion initiatives. Behind the scenes,
1: they're working furiously to try to figure out what to do about it.
0: So, Franz, tell us a bit about the
1: message of your book, The Medici Effect. Right. So the, the book essentially says that we have the best chance of breaking new ground when we step into an intersection of different fields, disciplines, cultures of people with different perspectives. So it's this diversity, the diversity of perspectives, of experiences, of networks, and the leveraging of that diversity that brings the power of innovation. And the Medici term comes from the Medici family, who essentially created that effect in Florence during the Renaissance, by bringing together people from all over Europe, from all kinds of different backgrounds, and uh, helped drive a new era.
0: And this book came out, what, 2003, was it? <coughs> um, and so... Decade or more of, of talking about this. I mean, are you seeing a lot of change? You've seen business embrace that philosophy.
1: You know, it's interesting. So when the book came out, uh, there was clearly a, uh, a feeling that that this was important. But what has happened is that it's become ever more relevant for every year that's gone by. So I, I'm seeing the book and the terminology of it becoming uh, more widespread than ever. I just just the other day. Um, I saw a speech by um, um, Andrew Haldale, the, the 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 chief economist for uh, Bank of England. He's talking about the Medici effect and how to use that to drive innovation through diversity. This is one of his recent speeches. As the Bank of England, yes. Uh, the World Economic Forum just last month uh, they changed the way they calculated the Global Competitiveness Index. And so now the whole innovation piece around that is really based around the ideas of the Medici effect, and 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 I believe the reason for that is because we are now in an era where connections uh, and and the convergence of of geographies of disciplines of people you hear this word convergence over and over again uh, has reached an unprecedented um, uh, relevance. So people are interested in this topic, and. I will add that the piece about it that has been, I think, the the most interesting, is how it has been applied not just with people from different functions or or disciplines or fields, but people with different backgrounds, as in ethnicities, gender, uh, LGBT, uh, age. This is this has become something where I now find more and more companies wanting to get into because they are looking for a more interesting valid, business-driven case than the legal, ethical implications around this. But they have had a hard time formulating it.
0: So a lot of the drive for inclusion and inclusive policies in big companies seems to have come more out of the sort of HR box ticking uh, mentality. I mean, how... um, how That's right. How how well is that working? Is that getting at what you're trying to get at
1: I'm. I think of it as a five sort of level scale, and and the first levels tend to I mean, the first one is that no one really cares about this at all, and the second one has to do with the legal uh, implications of it, there's compliance and so on, and 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 actually legal is the one who tends to get involved in that case. You don't want to get sued, uh, but then there's the ethical pieces around this and. And that's where you can see, particularly companies, they start really getting concerned. They promote this stuff. There's a lot of talk. You will see ads. They, they attend conferences about these things. And what they're really trying to communicate is that we know this is important, and we want you to know that we think this is important. Um, HR gets involved in, in, in that, but it's also a PR-driven thing. Um, and, and generally speaking, at that point, um, the next two levels, which really is um, – Either about the markets themselves. This is where you hear, you know, in the United States, the Hispanic market is going to be great. You have to focus on that, or you look at the purchasing power of uh, LGBT, and you should be focusing on that. That's that piece is one where you're seeing more businesses get involved. HR has a bit of a tends to struggle to make that case. The last one, which is really that, a diverse team has a better shot at innovating any type of opportunity whether it is representative in the market or not it's it's just different perspectives come together and they can look at it challenges uh marketing challenges distribution supply chain whatever it is they will have a better chance of developing new ideas i don't really see anyone whether it's hr or R and D, being involved in it unless they're on the absolute cutting edge so i sometimes see ceos looking for that request and saying look i need something different here. Help me get to it. And the other approaches we tried have, haven't really worked out so far. How can I use my people? How can, I, how can I bring the... How can I be inclusive enough so that everything that we have, all the assets, all the resources that we have can be brought to bear?
0: So why is inclusion so difficult to do?
1: That's a great question. I, I, um, I, I think in part it is human nature. We are... We are, there's something called the similar attraction effect. It's a well-studied phenomenon in psychology, and it's global. We are attracted to people similar to ourselves. Uh, And I like to say that inclusion actually is widespread with people who are like us. (laughs) So, I mean, that is easy. The challenge is when you're introducing the diversity. And and so besides the the internal sort of the, the, the human instincts, to to, to, to uh, work and and, and and share experience with people are similar to ourselves We are also finding it easier to um, to actively look for somebody else to go after and we can see that kind of playing out right now in Europe in the United States there's the, the, it, it makes it easier to, 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 to lead a discussion if there is a if there's a distinct, Um, other party that one can sort of go after. And so I think both of these things are making it a bit challenging. My experience is that the best way to overcome that is to show explicitly and and have people experience the power of inclusion. What happens when you bring people uh, together and not just talk about it, you're actually doing it, you're innovating, you're coming up with ideas, you're sharing ideas. Um, That experience tends to be the most convincing um, and uh, point one can make on this.
0: So if we look at the, the U.S. and perhaps Europe as well, I mean, it seems like there are a number of different waves of effort mm-hmm. to include. So there's a lot about women's role at work. Um, there's a lot about uh, race, particularly you know, black people in, in the workplace. Uh, Here the in the States, way. for sure. Yeah. And then then we've had disability. Yeah. Are probably lagging behind, I would say, and then, but uh, and then LGBT more recently. More recently, yeah, right on the top of the agenda. I mean, what, what what what's your current sort of sense of how each of those is doing, and, and you know where where they go next?
1: It's a great question because it it does differ depending on 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 context, on on geography. Uh, Europe has had a <clears throat> excuse me. Europe has had a. Uh, uh, much greater emphasis on gender for instance for, for a long time but that is now they now they are are, are trying to figure out how do we incorporate uh, culture and religion into that uh, I mean th- in particular with the recent uh, flows of immigrants uh, and refugees into Europe in the United States uh, you' you've seen a, a, a broad approach um, and I would say the LGBT uh, issues in general have risen um, I the, the common theme around all of this is that the current global trend is self-actualization, and people want to become who they want to become. And if a workplace can offer them that, can you bring your whole self to work and, and leverage all of that means, that, is the, that, is sort of the, that becomes the issue. Uh, and, a, and a company that can provide that becomes more competitive in, in, in many respects. So I would say that the broader theme is, is really that people today, particularly when you look at millennials, and, but this is just going to become further uh, emphasized, uh, is self-actualization. I, I, I have a particular – I don't want to be hiding who I am. Um, I, was, I was talking to um, an executive at, uh, at IBM. He's retired now, but he was – he was sharing for me. Nick he used to be the head of uh, innovation and research there, and uh, and he was sharing with me um, uh, that he, he he was in he was actually in Singapore. He was talking to the prime minister and the and the, uh, the government there, and they asked him this one question: "Is that what can we do to become more innovative?" Essentially, I mean the one thing. I said it's actually something that you as a government can do because um, it's kind of challenging to figure out what it means to do a cluster focus on a cluster or invest more in research. But I can tell you one thing that you can do, and that is, you have a law, essentially, that makes uh, same-sex relationships Ill- illegal. It's, it's banned. Uh, you can reverse that law. And they were very surprised by this uh, answer. <laughs> but then he said, well, look, where do you think IBM gets its best people from? Everywhere. So that's how we think about it. So when you're asking me what is the making IBM innovative, and they were, indeed, one of the uh, trailblazing companies around these issues... This is what we. This is what we're focusing on. I expect uh, that the long-term trend, although there will be regional variations of this, of it, and and local hiccups, but the long-term trend is self-actualization. And you're going to see this play out here in the United States. You are seeing it here. You're going to see it increasingly in Europe, and you're going to see it in um, in Asia. You're going to see it in the rest of the world.
0: Um, it's interesting. There's a lot of reports that millennials who are, you know. In a way, leading your self-actualization uh, you know, movement, but they also, yeah, LGBT. When well, they all seem to be going back into the closet when they go to work, and <laughs> what's that about?
1: <clears throat> well, I mean, they want to be successful in their in, in at their job. In some industries, it's just much harder to to break through. I was I, I was talking to somebody from um, from finance and Wall Street, and there's still very uh, on Friday, and it was st- there's still very much a uh, a culture where either uh, you tough it out. And so even if you identify a mentor who, who is LGBT, <laughs> and they look, I, I have to go through all this. And the way you deal with it is you, you, you don't. You just, you just cover it up. And I think that, that millennials that are ambitious and are looking to get ahead in, in a, any particular corporate culture will, will pay to those, uh, uh, you know, be attuned to that. But I would also say that they are making choices. And so companies can find themselves into what I call doom loops in this regard. Imagine you have two competitors, competing firms, they're looking for exceptional talent. And in one firm you have more of a diverse group of employees, and the other you don't. Now, when they're looking for this new exceptional talent, and if this person feels that they can be more at self in firm B, which is more diverse from people who have an easier time to get this person. And this reinforces itself. And I've I've seen it literally play out. I, was, I, I, I um was in a conversation with a law student who graduated from I think it was Stanford. And she had a book. It's but this thick, it's quite a thick book, and it has all the law firms in the United States. And she was looking at them and, and, and it listed a law firm name and it listed you know the number of partners and, and lawyers and so on. But it also listed uh, the diversity. So it listed a a a people of of color on the partnership side and women, and she just crossed out those that had zero on them. They were not even in contention. She wouldn't even consider them. So here's this lawsuit, exceptional graduate from a law school, and these law firms can't even make a play for her. I thought that was interesting. Mm -hmm.
0: So there's a lot of um, discussion. The Economist does this conference called Pride and Prejudice focused on LGBT inclusion, and one of the themes we're looking at this year is a word that I don't think would make it through the Economist style guide uh, which is intersectionality uh, which is uh, I think means how the different uh, different (laughs) groups that don't feel included can work together Uh, tell me a bit about intersectionality I think you're slightly responsible for this word well
1: so (laughs) so basically this is the the idea is that um, uh, it really comes from the fact that uh, the world itself Consists of people that that come that come at it from different backgrounds, from different perspectives, and that when you're intersecting those perspectives and you're intersecting those backgrounds, that is when new ideas come about. That is when when new insights happen. Uh, it would be highly relevant to any discussion around the future of any economy, any business, innovation. Uh, and the fact that that would be a theme at the at the at the conferences is is, is relevant. The world itself is turning intersectional. You see it everywhere. And by
0: which you mean it's the coming together of the different perspectives. Yes, the yes, like point, yeah.
1: yes, it is. And look, I guess one can argue that there is you know uh, local local setbacks. Perhaps we. Um, I. Um, uh, I, uh, I I grew up in in Sweden. I, uh, I'm I'm my, my dad is Swedish, and so I, I've seen. So I I've, I've been tracking what's happening there very very closely, but it's a it's an example that we're seeing in Europe, what we actually see here in the States, which is uh, Sweden has always considered themselves to be very inclusive and open of people from different backgrounds, but, but in reality, it's not, it, it hasn't really been put to the test.
0: And now you have these. Dark-colored people coming in. <laughs> exactly, and, 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 and all of a sudden it's
1: being put to the test, and guess what? To the surprise of many Swedes, uh, it turns out that uh, maybe it's not as as, uh, as as inclusive as we thought, and you can see the rise of parties that represent that. Well, that is true, but I would also say that growing up in Sweden, I would point out that if you go back, say, 30 years, 40 years, you would see those opinions, but even stronger. They were just either never expressed or hidden. In other words, the long-term trend is towards intersectionality, although there are going to be local variations on how it plays out in any given country.
0: So, I think in the context of um, the discussions that we're going to be having at the Economist Conference. I mean the theme, broad theme of the conference is business as a catalyst for change. Yes, there is a sense that business is actually more than perhaps any other entity in society at the moment playing this proactive role on some of these, you know, I guess liberal open issues around. Isn't that increase. fascinating?
1: I mean, look at look at North Carolina here in uh, here in the states. So you have, uh, <laughs> I mean, is art. Well, there could be many reasons for why governor loses an election. Uh, I think it's. I think you could easily argue that that the transgender issue that he uh, decided to insert himself into uh, was a big driver of it. A, a business um, and 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 key marquee events that that state prides itself on hosting all of a sudden disappeared. That has an impact. That wasn't. It wasn't government. It wasn't even, although um, non profits were, were 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 assisting in it. It was really a business driven type of uh, uh, event, and it impacted that election. Um, so yes, I do I, I do think that business um, is. But you
0: think in this current environment, I mean, where, where you have an administration that's been elected in America, for example, you have these similar you know, similar trends going on in in Europe. I mean, is business you know, which I guess likes to, um, you know, avoid conflict with government where it's yep. possible. I mean, is it gonna continue to play that kind of progressive role that it's been playing in recent years, or do you think it might hunker down, turn it down a bit?
1: <sighs> My guess is that, let me start out right over. A business is concerned about its ultimately shareholder value and it's it rising, I, I don't see it being long term credible for a company to be actively excluding people in that. So I would see them that if the popular sentiments are, are, are for a while going in the reverse direction, businesses are going to bucket because they're interested in customers, they're interested in clients, they're interested in top notch employees, they're interested in people that can bring them to the next level. So. Because of those reasons, as a as a company becomes increasingly aware of how important it is to keep on keep on driving sales, keep on getting top talent, keep on being innovative and agile, uh, I don't think they would trade that for a a politically convenient uh, 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 short term um, uh, idea. And I, I honestly, I think we're seeing it play out now. Uh, you are seeing business leaders. Uh, making an extra. I, we're seeing it. I'm, I'm in conversations with business leaders today, heads of, 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 of all kinds of industries, retail, that's consumer facing, banks, that, that's, that, that might be more uh, B2B facing. Either way, uh, they may have all kinds of opinions about, say, the recent election or what's going on in Europe, but they're still firmly committed to having an inclusive environment. They're still firmly committed to being agile. Uh, and, 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 and upping the innovation rate, and and if they believe that diversity is key to that, they're not going to trade the innovation rate for, well, really for much of anything.
0: But you think they'll have the courage to make the political stance that they made, for example, you know, with- Well, Indiana with Obama in
1: office, I mean, it's easier. Um, General, generally speaking, yes, but I guess time will tell. I mean, you, th- there are local variations here in this country. You're going to find companies that are, in, uh, that are headquartered in regions that, are, uh, that may, may have somewhat different opinions. But I will tell you this. We currently have clients that the general, that the general perception of them are that they are very conservative and that this, they are not on the forefront on this issue, let's put it that way, but behind the scenes. They're working furiously to try to figure out what to do about it. So their public stance to your question: Are they going to get up on a stage and talk about it? Maybe that is toned down. But what we're seeing is that internally, they're working even more aggressively at getting at it.
0: And are you seeing the different groups working better together? So like the the African Americans, the women's groups, the, the LGBT, the disabled groups. Is that are those sort of are there alliances that are forming that are working better now that promote these? With changes within companies.
1: Yeah, I I would say that if I, if I go, went back say 10 years, I think there were a bit more uh, friction around it. Um, you know, there was there was a bit more of a zero sum game if you well if you're focusing on, on women now, well, what were happening with African American then or why are you why are you looking at uh, LGBT now? So, I I sense are more discussions. So companies have tend to have uh, groups like um, Employee resource groups or affinity groups that have been formed inside of them, and they could sometimes be discussions along those lines. I see less of that now. I see more attempts of these ERGs, as they like to call them, to uh, to find, uh, to cooperate, to find n- events together. We've been involved in any number of them. They're looking for connections between these various groups that they have. Um, so, if there's a if there's a trend there, I would say that inside companies they are looking uh, more aggressively at, at 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 cooperating now than they certainly did ten years ago.
0: And so, last question: you know, If you were writing the Medici Effect today, uh, what what would you change? <laughs>
1: um, what would I change? I think that when I wrote when I wrote the Medici Effect in two thousand and four, um, the world, as I said, was was trending towards searching for these intersections and making use of them. I hadn't really spent that much time thinking about the implications that it had as the, like the discussion we just had right now. So it's, it doesn't make a big part of the book really. it's, uh, it's, uh, it's there but uh, but if I'd known to how much and how quickly uh, the, these, these issues would arise, uh, both on the positive or negative side around the world I think I, I would have delved more deeply into it um, uh, it is it is something that uh, the book has come to stand for and, and 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 companies are talking about it in that way uh, but I've had to add a lot of supplemental information since then but you know what that's great it shows us that this issue is evolving and that uh, and that there's more to be done and said about it
0: Great. Well, François Hansen, thank you very much for talking with The Economist. This has been the Pride and Prejudice podcast. Um, and I'm Matthew Bishop. Thank you very much.